Welcome to the Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters Podcast. I'm your host, W.J. Sheehan. Hello, everybody, and greetings from the Northland. We're so glad that you could join us today for what is going to be a spectacular show. If you don't know me already, I am W.J. Sheehan, author of the series Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters, available at Amazon in paperback, ebook, and in the Kindle Lending Library. I also have volumes 3, 4, 5, and 6 available at audio, uh, Audible, iTunes, and Amazon in audiobook format, so do take advantage of that. Now listen, folks, I tried to be nice. <laughs> Christmas <laughs> is coming. Order some books for your friends and fiends. <laughs> they make a great gift and a stocking stuffer as well. So do take advantage of that if you would. Well, I know my brother is waiting in the wings, and he's got something really interesting for today's Cryptids in the News segment. So let me get over to my brother. As I say, let's get ready to rumba! Kev, <laughs> how you doing, Kev? I'm doing great. How about you, Bill? Fantastic. I told you I was just outside putting the cover on my boat. And uh, we're facing a never-ending battle of attrition against the falling leaves here this time of year. Yeah, it's it's damp and chilly here. Yeah, they're calling for some uh, wintry mix tomorrow, as they call it. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know, a little sleet, a little snow, a little rain, all the good stuff. Well, that should put you in the mood for what I have today. Excellent, <laughs> excellent. That's what I like to hear. <laughs> I don't know if you still have that big furry hat with the ear flaps. You might want to put that on for this episode. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know what I do have? Uh, years ago, I was in touch with a person who lived up in Canada. And somehow the conversation went around to me asking this person if they could get a real raccoon hat. <laughs> and, uh, well, the long and short of it was they knew somebody who who made hats. And so I gave them my the dimensions of my substantial dome. <laughs> <laughs> eight, eight and a quarter hat size, which is like, you know, uh, I'll tell you a funny story about that, too. But anyway, she had a lined raccoon hat made for me, which was just incredible. I mean, this thing, you're not going to buy this in the store anywhere. I, it may be a one-off. Uh, and I still have it to this day, but I rarely wear it, you know, because people are like, what the heck is that? <laughs> <laughs> hey, what does he have on his head? <laughs> but I think you should wear it to work yeah, myself. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, here's the other side of that. So, uh, you know, I have that uh, Kevlar army helmet that I wear when I'm riding motorcycles. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And I have the uh, camo uh, skin pulled over it. But the funny thing is, the helmet is a triple X head size. Uh, 
<laughs> and it turns out that they, ne- I, uh, my understanding is they never had a triple X head size in the Kevlar until General Schwarzkopf was leading the army. Ah. And apparently they made one up for him, and I think they made about a thousand of them, and I got one of them. He's so uh, Schwarzkopf is a fellow buckethead. Yeah, well, if you, if you look at him, he looks like a... He does look like he could be a buckethead. Yeah, he looks like a square-headed nail pounder from Norway. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, awesome. I digress. So where are you going well, today, bro? I need you to put on the black furry sable hat today because we are going to Siberia. Wow. Yeah. And what the heck is going on in Siberia? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this is a, a Yeti sighting Ooh. in Russia that came up uh, in uh, 2013. But I was I was watching one of the uh, Bigfoot shows, Bill, a couple of weeks ago, and I hadn't seen this video before. Of you may have seen it of the the couple of kids walking through the snow, and they see the huge footprints, and they're following the footprints. And then they come into uh, a Yeti in the woods. Wow. Um, have You you recall that footage? Boy, uh, I, you know, I've seen so much stuff, it's almost hard to... This one, yeah, this one is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're going to talk about the article, which, believe it or not, came out in the Siberian uh. Times. <laughs> I know I know, you're a paper subscriber. Right <laughs> <now>. <laughs> hey, listen, I wonder how many subscribers there are to the Siberian Times. I, I don't know. <laughs> and what kind of route would it be? Do you do that on your bicycle? <laughs> Yet. <laughs> Yet. <laughs> so uh, this this article, I'm going to read the article to you. It's not too long, and uh, I'll post it, too, on our website, BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com, because it's got some great photos. And then I'll also post a link to the video, and the video is really compelling. So I'll, I'll try to describe the video, too, to everyone as well. So it's in the Siberian Times, the day before Valentine's Day, February 13th, 2013. So there's your Valentine's Day present. Wow. And uh, the, the title of it is, Yeti Sighting in Siberia Claims Russian Expert. Huh. Yeah, so super cool. So uh, so uh, a new, I'll read it to you, a new image of Yeti or Bigfoot lurking behind trees is the clearest evidence so far of the creature's existence. Um, so claims leading Yeti proponent Igor Burtsev, hmm. and he's the director of the International Center of Hominology in Moscow. Wow. And so it's pretty cool. So, you know, I'll, I'll leave the article here, but that's, that's how we lead into it. And it's basically these three boys in daylight walking along in the snow, and they start to see, and they're in this clearing, and um, they're they're near what's called the Kuznetsky Komorov region of uh, Russia, and um, that is it's in the middle of Russia. So if you could imagine looking at a map of Russia in the middle of it, and it's just north of where the borders of Kazakhstan and Mongolia meet up. Okay, so they come together in a point, and it's just north of that. So you know, definitely in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. So these three boys, they're walking along, broad daylight, 
lot of snow on the ground, looks like a couple of feet of snow, and they're trudging through the snow, and they see these uh, footprints, and they're, you know, big, deep footprints in the snow, very clean, pretty far apart from one another, too, you know, as if it had a very strong stride, whatever this creature is. Mm -hmm. And um, they start talking about it, and then they fire up their uh, mobile phone, and they're following the tracks, right? And they're kids, maybe 10 or 11, three of them, and, um, you know, they're horsing around, talking about the tracks in the snow, and wondering what it is and then they come to like the edge of uh, a bit of a forest and they're climbing over like these mounds you know that you would imagine on the edge of the forest and they're looking into the trees and all of a sudden there's this black creature there plain as day uh probably about 20 yards into the forest and he's kind of hunched over with his arms hanging and looking at them and then all of a sudden, you know, he 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 takes off and kind of runs to the left uh, in the image. And it's very clear um, and looks absolutely authentic. And then the boys basically, you know, get frightened and they run the other way. Wow. Um, you know, so they're they're running as fast as they can through the snow and the camera is still running. And uh, one of them, uh, who's filming the creature, he shouts out, uh, uh, I am the nearest. I'm going to be eaten. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> Did he say that in Russian? <laughs> no, it, it's, in, it's in English. Was that so, an know, interpretation, uh, Kev? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's French. <laughs> but it reminds me of, uh, you know, when my son was young, we were out in uh, Smoky, um, the Smoky Mountains National Park in eastern Tennessee, and uh, we saw a black bear up in the tree, a baby black bear. Yeah, that... And they were like these scrub oaks, you know, and I, I gave him that early lesson about seeing bears where... Um, He's, I was like, you want to go and look? You know, and he's like, Dad, like that, there's probably a mama bear down there. And uh, I said, yeah, no. And he's like, I can't run faster than a bear. I said, you see all those people in front of us? I said, can you run faster than them? <laughs> <laughs> he said, I can definitely run faster than them, Dad. <laughs> I said, okay, then we're good. <laughs> so anyway, you know, so they walk out following these tracks, plain as day, pure white snow field. No other tracks in it around except for these, you know, great video footage of it. And then they go into the woods and you see this creature there, plain as day. And then the creature's like looking at them, you know, again, kind of hunched over, arms hanging. And then the creature, you know, gets startled and takes off out of the frame to the left. And the kids start screaming and running and... You know, running the other way as they properly should. So it's you know it's pretty pretty amazing. Yeah, um, great footage and uh, you know freezing cold day there in Siberia with the crystal clear sky. So now this uh, this was not that you said twenty thirteen. It's not that old. No, not that old. And of not course, these old. kids had you know uh, decent phones. I don't know if they were iPhones or Galaxies or whatever was around. But yeah, whatever it is, you know, it's decent video for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, what are we to say? You know, 
come on, these kids are out there, they're just horsing around and whatnot, and they come across it. Certainly these kids don't have an axe to grind with anybody. When you're 11, 12, 13 years old, you know, we're fortunate. When people say, where are the pictures? Everybody has a cell phone. Well, here you go. Yeah, and they sent the video. So when this happened, um, you know, was they they said they sent it to Komarovo, which I guess is a place out there, mm-hmm. um, and uh, to um, the the region governor of that region, and he said, uh, you know, I have no doubt that this video is genuine. Yeah, you know, it definitely looks real, and he said. Uh, I don't doubt it was a Yeti. It stood in a typical pose with its back slightly bent, its long arms down. It is real, not falsified video. Yeah. Soon the experts will try to establish what sex the creature was. And then they they say uh, the tracks in the snow were very interesting, not only uh, large, but long strides. Mm-hmm. And then this is pretty interesting, too. They said it looks like that it first walked walked toward the village, which is where the kids were coming from, and then walked back in its own footprints. And they said that's that's what they know about Yetis. Wow. That they will will often do that, which I had never read that before or heard that before. That is weird. It's like backtracking directly in their prints. Exactly. You know, and uh, you said that, uh, what was the title of this individual that made this uh, proclamation of it being real? He was like that. So it says that they sent the video to Kamarovo region governor, Amin Tuliev. Uh, but in oh. the beginning, you said there was the, the head of the hominidal... Oh, oh, the guy who, uh, his name is Igor Burtsev. Yeah, you know, I mean, maybe he's like a, a, a Dr. Meldrum-type figure over he, there. It seems like he is. Yeah. It seems like he is. Yeah. And then, you know, in, in full disclosure, so he's had some some uh, battles with the press. Um, you know, the Sun newspaper in uh, the U.K., where um, I guess they had they did some analysis of some hairs and said that they came from uh, black bears, American black bears and horses or something like that. And somehow the hairs are associated with him, but he's been arguing with them. You know, maybe they you analyze the wrong hair and stuff like that. I don't know why this guy would send American black bear fur. Yeah, I mean, it's almost stupid. Like, you know, it's like you take a a hair from Martha, your your Labrador, and (laughs) send it in for examination, uh, quoting it as being a Bigfoot hair. You know it's going to come up uh, (laughs) a no-go, so why why bother, you know? Yeah, and uh, full disclaimer, if I ever did have any Bigfoot hair and I sent it in, (laughs) it would definitely be contaminated with Labrador fur because (laughs) that stuff is everywhere. (laughs) Poor Martha, the tomato-eating dog. I keep talking to her, telling her, like, you know, winter's coming. Stop losing your fur. (laughs) You're going to need it. Yeah. Oh, that's too funny. Well, that is an excellent account. And, again, you're... uh, you're clipping that uh, video to the uh, report on our webpage, you know? Yeah, yeah, and and it's interesting. So the video is super compelling, but the still life images are fantastic as well. So I'm going to put both of them up on the website. I'm, the still life, you know, it's a little blurry, 
But um, <laughs> it's, yeah, I mean, it's not a tree stump or anything like that. And again, it's broad daylight. Wow, that's fantastic. So it's super. I, I was, again, I saw it on television, um, you know, a few weeks back, and then I was like, wait a minute, I got to check this out. I haven't seen this before. Yeah, and I wonder, uh, very interesting that they say, uh, from what they said or what you just said, they've run across this before where these, he said it was typical of a Yeti to retrace their steps in their own footprints. That's very yeah, that's very odd. I know, I know. And by the way, so this area in Siberia is apparently a bit of a hotbed for Yeti sightings. Um and uh they call them they call them Yeti there and they also call them Almasty. Hmm. Uh A L M A S T Y. And then, you know, as I was re- researching it, I guess in Mongolia, which is pretty close by there to this region, they have something called the Almas, which I'll do an episode on, which is like a wild man beast yeah. that they've been seeing for hundreds of years. Yeah, so. I mean, it's all interconnected. I mean, this this creature is really uh, global uh, in its reach. And I think if we had uh, better communications uh, uh, as far as, you know, regular speak between different countries, which we really don't, you know. No. But I bet you there's stuff going on in South America and whatnot that we're not aware of, you know. Absolutely. We need some uh, we need some folks to write in and tell us, too. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Because, listen, when was the last time you heard any real news or any data coming from Central or South America here in North America? It just doesn't happen. Yeah. So I think if we were regularly connected or on the inside, uh, we would have... Uh, we would have more information coming out of that region of the world, as well as even Asia. You know, I mean, uh, there's just a language barrier. There's a time barrier. There's a a periodical or paper barrier. You know, we don't get what they write. And uh, I, I guarantee you, man, there's probably a lot of stuff going on that we're just out of touch with. Uh, we're going to have to really try to dig deep as we move forward and see what we can un, uh, uncover, you know? Fully agree, yeah. Absolutely. Cool stuff. That is cool, Kev. Well, that's a great report, man. Thanks for bringing that uh, to the uh, my attention and the attention of the audience. And uh, before I get going here, I want to give a shout-out to my friend Nate Bowling uh, down in Alabama. Nate is really doing a yeoman's work with him and a small group of guys down there in the Alabama, Arkansas area. And if you want to check out something really cool, uh, he's got some stuff going on on uh, YouTube. He goes under the tag Big Dog, Big Dog, the letter T, the number two, and the letter B. So it's Big Dog T2B. And uh, they've been going out with uh, thermal imagers, uh, some limited resources, uh, and trying to get footage of uh, creatures in the woods down there. Now, he claims that he's had a lot of encounters with these guys uh, walking around in the woods down there, and he's posted a lot of them. And I was talking to him just yesterday, uh, and I told him that the 
tough thing about some of these images is like you really don't know what you're looking at. They're kind of chattery and a little spotty. And I told him if technology avails itself to you down the road, perhaps you could post these and speak over them while they're posted and give some inside to insight to the viewer uh, by talking and looking at them exactly what was going on in these pictures. Uh, there is one picture that is outstanding, and it was done in like a grayscale. Uh, he's catching a Bigfoot kind of quartering away from him, and uh, it's an incredible... Uh, picture. It's an outline of the creature where you get to see the the brow and the nose and the ear and the head going into these bulky shoulders. Uh, I think it's outstanding for a still shot. And uh, I just encourage you folks to go out there. It's Big Dog, T2B, and uh, Nate Bowling and his crew. Uh, he's really gung-ho. And uh, he's really doing a yeoman share of work down there, uh, trying to stay hot on the tail of uh, Bigfoot. So kudos to you, Nate, and your guys. Very cool. Yeah. Roll Tide, Nate. Yeah, Roll Tide. <laughs> now, this uh, particular uh, sighting uh, came to me from a fellow named Ricky Sanborn. Uh, most unusual evidential sighting uh, that he and his hunting partner Daniel came upon while hunting in early of October 2002 in Northern California. Uh, and this is what uh, Ricky and his partner Daniel saw in the Trinity Alps wilderness. As I told you when we first spoke, Bill, this sighting occurred while we were on the hunt in the fringes of the Shasta Trinity National Forest. In actuality, we were more or less in the Trinity Alps wilderness at the time. By California standards, the day was dark and dreary as we were making our way through the timber. When the two of us had decided to pause for a rest on a high point overlooking what I will describe as a wooded ravine. We were sitting at the high point of a downward sloping hillside with the same type of configuration occurring across the way from us, forming this valley or ravine in the middle. We could tell by the nature and appearance of many of the trees that this portion of the forest had fell victim to a wildfire at some time in the past. Many of the trees' trunks showed evidence of being scorched by a blaze, and more than a few had broken off through the years, having died in the conflagration. So the two of us were sitting perhaps some two or three hundred feet above the bottom of this ravine, and even though we hadn't had any success thus far in the day, our position was well concealed, ever hopeful that opportunity would and could come knocking at any time, and knock it did. It was after about 30 or 40 minutes when we heard what I will describe as several loud thuds. Having seen nothing and only being able to rely on what we were hearing, it was extremely difficult to put a label on what it was we had heard as well as what had made the noise. Neither of us had heard anything like it before in the woods when hunting. 
There were so many trees covering the slope, both below us and surrounding us, that our visibility was poor at best, pertaining to being able to see anything moving. Some ten minutes later, we heard yet again a number of these loud but dull-sounding thuds being made, and this time they sounded somewhat closer. From our position, there were a few of what I will describe as alleyways through the trees. They were staggered viewpoints through the trees that were occasionally broken up by the boughs of a tree coming across them. Having said that, there were a number of points where if something had crossed, we could see it do so, even if it was but briefly. Again, after about 10 or 15 minutes, we heard the same noise again. Only this time, we both agreed that it sounded somewhat like the slap or a slap against wood. I had no way of quantifying it at the time, but it sounded like something slapping a log and its bark. It was definitely not wood on wood. The question being, of course, who or what would be slapping trees in the forest, and for what reason? It was then that in one of these broken alleyways that I just described to you, at a distance of about 200 feet from us, that we saw a large and dark figure move across the opening. It was very brief, but we saw it and were now watching with great intent, looking in the direction it had headed. Now, maybe 40 feet away from where we had seen this figure, there was another slight break in the trees where there was standing a large, well-decayed and burnt remnant of an old pine. What was left of the tree was about 20 feet tall, and the top was broken off, with the trunk being some 20 inches or more in diameter. The two of us were now crouching very low, and other than our being able to see, we were completely concealed from view. Suddenly, a huge Sasquatch came into view and began to survey the tree that I just described. It was rubbing it with its hand and looking at it with what appeared to be great interest. It began to slap the dead tree with its open palm. Again and again, it was slapping the tree, and in between it, it was placing its ear against the trunk like it was hugging it and listening. At this point, it seemed to get somewhat excited and grasped the tree with both of its hands, beginning to shake it violently. Seconds later, the tree broke loose from the soil and its remaining roots and came crashing down to the ground. As soon as the tree had hit the ground, the Sasquatch leaped to the broken or top end and fell to its knees. It seemed as though it was reaching into what must have been a hollow end of the tree's trunk while continuing to slap the tree with its other hand. It was now banging on the tree violently and repeatedly with blow after blow smashing against the tree. It was then, in what I can only describe as an act of frustration, that the beast growled loudly and grabbing this tree with both hands while kneeling began to slam it up and down against the ground. Suddenly, we saw its arm move like a flash, and it was now holding an opossum that was wriggling in its grasp. He seemed to dispatch it quickly with his hand and began to bang the log up and down again on the ground. 
This time, he leapt to his feet while turning away from us in an apparent pursuit of yet another opossum that had emerged from the tree. Frankly, we couldn't believe what we were seeing. About two minutes had passed, and the creature returned, dropping another opossum on the ground, having apparently been successful in capturing it, and began again to wrestle with the tree trunk. This went on for several more minutes when it seemed as though it was satisfied that there were no more critters to be had from the tree's interior. It then stood to its feet, bending down to retrieve the two victims, and disappeared into the woods. The tree, albeit very dead, had to have weighed hundreds of pounds, and this beast from a kneeling position was slamming it up and down like you or I would a bed pillow. We now knew from seeing it with our own eyes that this was what we had been hearing up until the point we actually saw it for ourselves. It was walking through the woods, slapping and listening to trees for any activity inside in the form of creatures living in them as a den. Who knew? The Sasquatch had just squashed the opossum to kill it. And when it stood to its feet, it was all of 10 feet tall or better and absolutely massive in all its proportions. The opossum, which in actuality seemed to be fairly large, appeared like a hamburger in the creature's hand. The skin on its hands and face appeared to be somewhat dark in coloration, and its fur appeared to be almost black. At 200 feet, it could have been hair, but we couldn't tell with certainty. It was, however, relatively long and quite matted in its appearance. And there you have it. That was our Sasquatch sighting. Whoa. What do you think of that? That's serious. So, you know, that, it, of course, it harkens to the description of some called tree knocking, right? Where they they hear the creatures knocking on the trees. And, you know, some of these folks say, you know, when they're out there in the wilderness, if they knock on the tree, like with a log, they'll hear the knocks come back. Yeah, and it's a, it's a mixed bag on that. You know, I have that account. Uh, I don't know if we did it. If we didn't, we're going to do it of the uh, photographer out with his wife where they saw this Bigfoot elevating its head uh, with its hands cupped to its mouth, and then they heard the knock. Ah. So his opinion was it's not wood. It's a vocalization, like a clacking. Oh, okay. Being emanating. Yeah, we haven't done that one. Yeah, emanating from the mouth of this giant creature. Okay. But, I mean, this makes sense that, like, you know, he's – Pounding on these big trees looking for a smackerel of honey. Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> picture this thing coming through the woods. You're hearing these, th- he called it a thud. Oh, yeah. Like a whop, you know, whack with the open hand of this monstrous hand. And they're like, what the freak is that, you know? Yeah, you could only imagine with, uh, you know, something that's nearly 10 feet tall with the mitts that it has, the sound it would make as it smacked logs looking for food. Yeah, especially if they were crazy dead trees. Yeah, you know, crazy. I think about, you know, Kev, I hear the, the big woodpeckers in my property all the time. When I, Now, I know it's a different scenario, but when those suckers get whacking with that beak on a dead tree. Oh, it's loud. It, yeah. it's, it's loud, man. Very loud. And it, and this, you know, I think you said a 20-inch diameter tree. Like, holy cow, yeah. it's a big tree. Well, and if it's 
half hollow or a third hollow. I mean, I guess you get a little bit of a sound, almost like a a, a muffled drum. You know, yeah, no doubt about boom. it. I mean, it, these jeez. Uh, yeah. Well, you know how when a drum when a when a drummer uh, throws a couple of towels or a pillow in his bass drum to kind of muffle it a little bit, you know. Yep. Uh, I guess it's that same type of effect, you know. But, yeah, and this Bigfoot out in Northern California, he's making a little bit of uh, Brunswick stew. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell On you. a chilly, chilly day. <laughs> you know. I, t- I used to take this lady to church. She was an old woman. She was probably 90 years old. And uh, when I met her, I knew she didn't have a ride. Like, she was getting a ride, and uh, I don't know. It was like an unlikely alliance. I just said, I got to help this lady out, you know. So I, I wound up, uh, whenever I was going, I would uh, run by and pick her up. Her name was Bertha Williams. And uh, one night I was taking Bertha home, and uh, she lived in like this condominium community of, uh, I don't know if it was all old folks, but she was old. And... Uh, a raccoon goes running across the uh, street in front of us as we're pulling into the property. So she was an old black lady from down in uh, Georgia or something. And she says to me, mm, mm, mm. that sure is some good coon. <laughs> so I said to her, Bertha, you, you eat raccoon? So she said, I eat raccoon, possum. Squirrel, I eat whatever they can get. <laughs> she was a sweetheart of a lady, you know. And we started talking about, uh, you know, her life and whatnot. And uh, they sure shooting. I mean, uh, whatever you could plug with a twelve gauge or a, a, a twenty two or whatever, uh, they'd skin it up and they'd cook it. You know, so we. Oh yeah, I got I got a next door neighbor out at the coast, and he. Uh, he lives up in High Point, um, North Carolina, and he spends a lot of time hunting squirrels with twenty two, and they eat them. Well, there you go. You know, we look at he's it as kind of weird. He's going to bring me some squirrel stew. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? It might be good. The little critters running out there eating all nuts and natural things, you know? Yeah, I'm going to let him eat it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll stick to my Angus beef. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> I want to make sure he didn't hit it with the car either. <laughs> <laughs> so that's some account. And, of course, it's in the hotbed, right, up there in the Shasta wilderness and uh, just a really rural place where anything can happen. Yeah. And Not many people around at all. How many times do we hear of that same neck of the woods with activity? Oh, absolutely. And, I mean, it goes all the way back to, like, the Patterson-Gimlin film, yeah. right? I mean. Right there in the hotbed in Northern California. Yeah, and I had that uh, surveyor guy, uh, the, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? He's with the Department of uh, Game, uh, whatever they call themselves. Yeah, uh, Fish and Wildlife. Fish and Wildlife, like one of those types of things, you know. And uh, he was saying, I mean, there are some areas in there where you could just give up the thought of walking through there. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just like you're walking into a barbed wire fence of debris, and you're not you're not walking anywhere, first of all. You can attempt it, but you're going to be pushed back like trying to go through an NFL line. 
And, uh, you know, that's going to be the end of it. But there are things that can walk in there. Uh, And it always reminds me of the pheasant hunter encounter that we were talking about, where that Bigfoot came bolting out of the the, uh, bramble patch and ran through it like it was nothing. And that guy said, if you or I tried to do that, you'd be taking an ambulance ride to the ER. Oh, absolutely. So I don't know what they're made out of uh, that they can do these things. But besides having just brute strength, uh, they seem to be kind of impervious to what would be like, you know, a million digs with thorns or anything else that obviously we would not walk through. Yeah, well, that's like I talked about when we were up in Alaska this summer. They have this native plant up there called Devil's Club, and uh, it is everywhere along, uh, you know, the sides of the mountains and on the mountains. And I was talking to one of our guides when we were looking at the brown bear. I said, do you ever hike up there? Like we were looking across this meadow where the bears were. I said, you ever hike up on that mountain there? And he said, you know, we tried it once, but he said, as soon as you get across this meadow, it's all this devil's club, which is, you know, basically this, this plant that can be like, probably five or six feet high, and it has these big, broad, pretty leaves on it, but the stems are covered in vicious thorns, Yeah, you know, hence the name. And he's like, you can't get through there at all. But he said, somehow the bears get through there, and of course, you know, I'm sure the hairy man gets through there too. Yeah, and you know, so there you go. Like, the bears get through there. They're walking around this stuff that just would thwart us at any turn and turn us around Absolutely. and they're just kind of look they got they figured it out how to get through there and their fur you know doesn't pick it up or whatever it is it's amazing it's amazing you know and again no this is just another aspect of god's remarkable creation that there are things that can do what we can't do and we can't do things or we can do things that other things can't do you know everything is unique in its own uh uh, environs on the planet, you know, no doubt about it. So, yeah. uh, wow, that's fantastic. Well, that awesome. was really good stuff, Kip. So, what do we got for our uh, listener mail today? Anybody writing in? Yeah, us? we got some good stuff. Um, we're gonna go to one here um, from Michelle. She's in New York, so she says another great show. I really enjoy the personal stories you both share. It makes your podcast all the more special. She says, I also work at a hospital. I've worked at the biggest employer in my area, a hospital in central New York, for 25 years. A recent happening occurred when a friend and a friend and nurse within my office was walking by exam rooms at the end of her shift, making sure the rooms were clean and ready for the next day. She passed by a door of an exam room and saw a man sitting on an exam table, dressed but wearing boxer shorts. Mm. She backstepped and looked back into the room, and he was gone. Oh. Yeah. Very spooky. Uh, so- she says... Yeah, she says, Bill, I believe, like you, that hospitals are prime territory for spirits and demons. Whoa. Thank you, and God bless Michelle. There you go. Now, if I'm not mistaken, Michelle was one of our book winners. Oh, that could be. I think so. And right. uh, she's obviously responding to my uh, speaking about what I had been seeing in the hospital, you know. And so, you know, the reality is, Michelle and everybody else that's listening, this is not uncommon. Uh, 
I mean, if you just talk to hospital workers across the nation and across the world, uh, there are some strange goings on uh, when you're involved in this type of work. And thousands upon thousands, maybe even tens of thousands of people, similar to Bigfoot, if you could get them on the side and talk to them uh, and, 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 and let them open up to you, you wouldn't believe the stuff you're going to hear coming out of their mouths. I guarantee you that. So uh, kudos to Michelle. Oh, and by the way, how about as we continue here with our listener mail, Kev, we have another little autographed book contest. Oh, I like that. All right, like this that. is on the fly. Uh, hmm, what kind of question do you think we should uh, ask of our listeners today? You got any ideas? We could do something related to mathematics. <laughs> 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 well, I don't know, Kev, you know. All right. All right. Uh, Quantum <laughs> physics? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Automotive repair? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What is the lifter clearance in a 327? <laughs> How about this? What? I'm ready. <laughs> I'm stymied. All right. Uh, how about this? How tall would a Bigfoot be if you had one for a pet? <laughs> so you're required to answer that question as hard as it is. I want you to rack your brain, but you must answer the question and go to our contact link uh, on our webpage, uh, BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com. Go to contact link. Tell me how tall a Bigfoot would be if you had it for a pet. And if and I pick for bonus, you know, <laughs> what's that? Kept? Just comment on something that we've talked about in the uh, in the podcast as well. So yeah, make a comment we'll get about you down for that as well. <laughs> make a comment about something we uh, spoke about in today's podcast. Give us your perspective on it. Yeah. And uh, I'll uh, go through those people, uh, put your names in a hat or whatever I'll do, and I'm going to pick one out, and I will announce it on the next show. How's that, Kev? That's awesome. All right, awesome. Now, let's continue with the uh, listener mail, now that we made total fools of ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we're going to go to another female listener. Uh, This is Cheryl in Montana. And she says, first of all, I love your input about this subject and really anything that you talk about. All right. Hopefully uh, we didn't lose her when we're talking about Bigfoot as pets. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And what would you name your what would you name your pet? (laughs) (laughs) Cheryl writes, I was on a day trip on horseback in 2009 when three of us saw a tall black figure walking below us at about a thousand yards away. Hmm. This was no man, and nobody walks around up here, especially with no backpack and no weapon. It was a Bigfoot. Great show. Wow. Well, there you go. People see something because they're looking, and they see something because they're out there. So she's a- no, absolutely. You got to I mean, that's you know, so many people write in, Bill, and they're like, "How do I see one?" Right? And we've told them, "Well, you know, if you go out to see one, you're probably not going to see one." Right. right? It's it's not how it works, just odds wise. 
But, you know, somebody that's on day horseback trips in rural Montana, boy, you know, I wouldn't bet against them running into the hairy man. Yeah, let's face it, folks. I'm not going to see one here on Long Island uh, striped bass fishing in Smithtown Bay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so just get your head screwed on and figure that you're probably going to have to go somewhere uh, and spend a lot of time somewhere where they may have a, a fair amount of wilderness and food, uh, water sources, you know, anything that would be needed to sustain life. Yeah, and it's interesting you say that, Bill, because in a couple more of the uh, listener mail uh, letters here, they're in places where you would likely see one. So it's a good lead in. Oh, so great. Yep. This next one is from Dwight in British Columbia. Okay. Right? Beautiful British Columbia, another hotbed. And he says, I saw a Bigfoot sitting on a boulder once eating a fish. Oh! <laughs> and he says, I know what I saw, and it wasn't a bear. Oh, they- At the time, it's as you say, not everyone has a camera at the ready. And yet, I saw what I saw. Keep up the good work. Love the show. Great. Dwight. Well, there you go. I mean, Dwight... You know, again, I know what I saw. You know, give up on it was a bear sitting there and you misidentified it. <laughs> you know, I think I think anybody in British Columbia knows what a bear looks like. Can I just take uh, that jump? Know, I told you, Bill, I mean, I saw probably a hundred brown bear this uh, this um, this summer up in Alaska. And, you know, a couple of dozen black bear. There's no way. You know, at any time of day, you're looking at one of these bears and saying Sasquatch or Bigfoot. No way. Yeah, yeah. I'm, so it's it's kind of goofy now. At whenever I see someone say, you know, not Dwight because he's he's saying it's clearly not a bear and he knows what he sees. But when you see the experts say, oh well, they probably saw a bear. Yeah, you yeah. know, Kev, and I I don't care if you show me ten thousand pictures of a variety of bears from different angles, standing, crouching, walking. There is no way I can mistake any of those pictures for a Bigfoot. I might pass on one and say, well, it's just a a, a lousy picture. But if any of them gave you a view of the creature, you can't mistake it. The body looks different. The waist, the chest, the arms, the legs, everything. Oh, no doubt about it. Everything. I mean, look at your account today, you know, where they're watching a guy in the Shasta Wilderness in California hammering on a tree. Like, there's no way it was a bear. Yeah. Yeah, just very weird, yeah. you know. That whole, it was a bear thing, just gets under my skin you know it's like it- well yeah and when you see the video of the yeti encounter that i'll post from my cryptids in the news article today and uh you know it's clearly not a bear yeah yeah i mean so. yeah. and and this is where we're heading with this you know we don't pay too much attention here to what the naysayers say i don't want to waste my time you know it's like you know Yada, 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 like they used to say on Seinfeld, you know, like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I, I don't have time to address that nonsense. You know, they think I'm full of beans and I think they're full of beans. So we'll just let it lie at that. 
All right, we're going to go to another uh, bit of a hotbed here from Larry in Vermont, hmm. up in New England here. Um, Larry says, I've heard tale of these critters around these parts for 20 years, never really making much of it, until one day when I swore I saw one standing in the trees on the side of the interstate. At 65 miles per hour, it happened quickly, but I am sure of what I saw. Thank you for your time and effort, Larry. Wow, that's interesting. Pretty cool. I mean, you can imagine that happening, right? You're cruising down the interstate in rural Vermont, and uh, you're like, what the heck was that, right? But again, you wouldn't mistake it as, oh, maybe it was a deer. No. Yeah, well, it <laughs> just, just happened to be, uh, you know, an eight-foot-tall male in a black ghillie suit standing <laughs> on the shoulder watching cars go by. Trying to get shot. Yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> You know, I always go back to my own observations, you know, uh, like Paula and I uh, were always like looking for deer. It's kind of like a game when we're driving out east, Kev, you know, we'll, oh, yeah. we're looking at the shoulder, counting how many deer we see. And, you know, uh, I'm like eagle eye over there. You know, I could see one, you know, I could catch the rump of one sticking out in the woods and say, yeah, there's one over there. But, you know. People know what they're looking at, just like the guy who just saw a, a Bigfoot eating a fish. Uh, this guy says he's driving down the interstate and sees one standing in the in the in the tree line on the side of the road. What are you going to say to him? No, you didn't. You know, it was a burnt it was a burnt stump. You misidentified it. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, excellent. All right. That is excellent. Good stuff. Good stuff. Thank you. Keep those letters coming. And our last one today, Bill, comes from Robert. He doesn't say where he's from, but he says, Hi, fellas. I really dig the show and haven't missed an episode yet. Okay. You two are great entertainment and could talk about lawn work or paint drawing, and I would still <laughs> listen every weekend. <laughs> Well, Kev, I've been looking at this wall. <laughs> I'm looking at this wall here for about 90 minutes. I, I, I'm thinking it's almost dry. <laughs> uh, I was reading this one, Bill, and I was like, I'm not sure this is good news or bad news. <laughs> <laughs> but, Robert, we really appreciate the note, and we certainly appreciate the uh, the kind words. Yep. So uh, that's our last one for the week. Uh, another episode in the books. Please keep the uh, keep the letters coming. We enjoy hearing from you, and uh, and also you know while you're listening here, just uh, open up your uh, app, whatever you're listening to, and please give us a five star rating if you don't mind. So thank you very much. And with that, Bill, I'll hand it to you. Well, Kev, uh, before I wrap this show up, I'm I'm just going to touch the paint. <laughs> uh, I want to see if it is it is dry, all right? So just hold on there, folks. I also noticed that <laughs> the grass might have grown a little bit. <laughs> ah, yes, indeedy. Well, it's time to close the show, folks. And as always, may I leave you with this stern warning. Always carry more gun than you think you're going to need. Sleep tight. <laughs> <laughs>